Well, I don't know if you've been following the news uh, closely. It's, it's international, so you may not. But um, the, the famous spies, Gregory and Ingrid Cortez, have gone missing. Um, they have, uh, they've been kidnapped. We don't, we're not exactly sure who has taken them. And our, really our only hope uh, in finding them is uh, Carmen and, and Junie Cortez. If, that's Spy Kids. I don't know if y'all know that or not. That's from the movie Spy Kids. It was, my fav- it was my kid's favorite movie growing up. It's the one I would take them to see whenever I had to give them shots. And, um, or I had to take them to get shots. And uh, it's a cool movie. The idea behind it, is, honestly, it's great, is that uh, these two little kids have no idea that their parents are international spies. They have no idea that their parents have saved the world dozens of times. And this time, they, the kids themselves are the only ones who can save them and through them the world once again. And so our hopes and dreams all rely on two eight-year-olds. Um, which probably in real life wouldn't be that good of a thing. Now, I say all that because uh, our father treats us like Ingrid and Gregoria, Gregory uh, treat their children. He doesn't really want us to know. Ingrid and Gregory kept their children safe because did, they didn't want us to know how dangerous, how awful, how treacherous, how many terrorists lived around them. He wanted them, they wanted them to grow up safely and develop in a, in a place of safety. In the same way, our Father in Heaven doesn't really tell us much about spiritual warfare. He doesn't pull the curtain back very often. Um, three, four, five, six maybe times in the Bible, maybe. Most of the, for most of it, he just doesn't want us to know how dangerous the world is. But there is occasional times when he pulls it back, and he lets us see. And in this text, in, in the end of Daniel, we're going to get to see one of those times. And, and it puts all the stories of Daniel in context, why his friends would be thrown into a furnace, why he would be thrown into a lion's den, why every day of his life seemed to be, well, not didn't seem to be, but he was surrounded by enemies trying to capture them why uh, even their dreams seem to be haunted with evil. It's because there's a war going on. There's a war, spiritual war that he can't see. And this chapter, this uh, strange, wonderful, beautiful, mysterious chapter of the Bible, Daniel chapter 10, uh, gives us a vision of what's going on. And it's it may be confusing, but really all I want you to get to see is this. All I want you to see is this. When we pray, we engage with our Father in an eternal war that goes beyond anything we could imagine. An assurance of His love is what encourages us, what He wants us to know to fuel us for the fight. When we pray, when we grasp our hands together and we pray thy kingdom come we are engaging in a war that has gone on for eternity and he fuels us for that fight by assuring us of his love please stand as we read this text from Daniel chapter 10 
This will be the last uh, in our series on Daniel. Uh, and I think it gives us context for all the ones who have gone on before. Hear the word of the Lord. I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist, and his body was like beryl, and his face like the appearance of lightning, and his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sounds of his words like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision. But a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I had no strength. Then I heard the voice, the sound of his words. And as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words I speak to you and stand upright. For now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard. And I have come before you because of your words. And the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia, and I came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for the days to come. And when he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. And behold, one in the likeness of the children of man touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke, and I said to him who stood before me, O my Lord, by reason of the vision, pains have come upon me, and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with me? For now no strength remains in me, no breath is left in me. And again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you, be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. As far as the reading of God's Word, all men are like grass and all of our glories like the flowers of the field. Every time I look in the mirror, I'm reminded that the grass withers and the flowers fall, but not God's Word. God's Word stands forever. You may be seated. When we pray, when we clasp our hands, when we bow our knee and we utter those magnificent words that Jesus taught us to pray, May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we do that, we are engaging in a war. A war that has gone on from from eternity. And that will one day come to an end. A war that, that the victory has been assured by the death and the resurrection of Christ, but it's not yet been realized. It's a war and it's hard. And, and that's my first point I want you to see is that prayer is hard. Real prayer, engaging the Lord, is difficult. It's all over this text. It's even in the text I kind of left out. He says um, in verse 2, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. 
I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all. And then at the end of the text, he says, I have no strength. Uh, How can my Lord's servant talk with me? No strength remains in me. No breath is left in me. Real prayer is an exhausting thing. It's hard. It's hard. It is hard for a a myriad of reasons. If you go back and you look at uh, Daniel 8, he's in uh, Daniel's 9. He spends the entire time in 9 repenting. Repenting of sin is difficult. It takes honesty. uh, One of the guys I love to read named Jack Miller, he says uh, it's pretty common for him to have to pray two, three hours, and then the, the Lord begins to reveal his sin to him and what he needs to repent of. And I'll, when I've heard that, I was like, yeah, that, that's usually what happens to me about hour three, too. Um, it's kind of like what girls ask me. I some girls ask me, what, what do you feel like when your blood sugar gets low? I said, the world will never know. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't know what it feels like to pray for three hours. I actually have, since then, learned to, to develop a true prayer life. But it, it's hard. It's hard to, to even know what you're repenting of. I think we know that repentance ought to be part of the Christian life. But usually we live our lives so blinded to ourselves we don't even see it. And it takes a while. And when the Lord lets the scales fall from our eyes and lets us see ourselves, it hurts. And we see how we've been running the wrong way, and we see how we've inflicted pain on people. We see how we've uh, despised people, how we've, we've hurt members of our own family, good friends. Uh, I'll, the, the year that the Lord kind of finally revealed to me that most of what I thought was a sense of humor was actually a, an arrogant crassness was a year that I spent time on the telephone calling people telling them I was sorry. I'm sorry. I never meant to hurt you. Bianca and I are watching, uh, re-watching a movie, uh, little TV series on Amazon called Homecoming. It's got Julia Roberts. I'm going to ruin it for you, but it's 10 years old, so you had time. Um, and it's all about this, this therapy that Julia Roberts is doing on soldiers who have suffered from PTSD, and the therapy involves uh, giving them a memory-erasing uh, drug in their food. And the thought is, if we can erase these bad memories, uh, then, you know, we can heal them. And and so she's, she's taking part in it and ultimately goes wrong. I mean, what could go wrong? Mind-altering drugs. And, uh, you know, it goes terribly wrong, of course. And, and, and there's a moment when she's sitting behind her desk and she realizes what it's doing and she specifically realizes that she's doing it. And she just collapses in tears. And that's, that's kind of how repentance feels like. Not everyday repentance, but, you know, once every two-year repentance, that repentance when you're actually giving the Lord permission to show you what you look like to everyone else. It hurts. And it's hard work. It's not surprising that, that so few of us do it. It, it's painful to, to acknowledge the, the generational sin that we've been a part of. Um, you know, there's the story of the man walking by this dirty, filthy stream, and he sees two fish, and so he asks them, how can you stand to swim in such dirty water? 
And the, he walks off, and the fish look at each other and go, what's water? And we, we were so engulfed in the sins, the vanity, the pride, the wealth, the, the adultery, the, the lust, not even to talk about the the latent sins that are behind those sins, and we don't even see them, much less repent of them. And and when He gives us vision of them, when when, when God shows Daniel this vision that we really haven't had a chance to talk about much, revealed to Daniel that, you know, I know Jeremiah told you that we're all coming back in seventy years, but you're not because you didn't repent. And he begins to see the, the cultural sins, the, the generational sins of the people around him. And he just weeps and weeps. And he says, I have no strength. I have no strength. Since prayer's hard. Prayer's hard work. It's hard work to, to take your friends before the Lord and pray for them. Because, because when you do, you have to actually think about them. And you begin to feel their burden. And you begin to feel their pain. And I think that's part of what the church does. The way the church the way we come around and help each other and bear each other's burdens is by bringing people to the Lord. And when you do that, though, it's, it's, it just hurts, doesn't it? Dan told me, uh, told me this week that one of the eighth graders in his school died this week. And he actually mentioned it out in the foyer, and I just said, look, I can't, I can't even think about it. It's just too painful. That's the way we feel, isn't it? We think about Josh Burdett's wife dying. It's just, it's just a lot easier to not think about it, isn't it? Than it is to really bring it to the Lord and allow our, our souls to, to weep. I love, that's what I, one of the many things I love about Romans 8, when he talks about praying and not even knowing what to pray, but the Holy Spirit hears our groans. Our groans. When was the last time we groaned in prayer? It's hard. It's hard work. You can, you can tell by my hands, I don't do hard work. It's hard. I don't like it. it it's painful because it, it forces us to... Well, this is an interesting spiral, but it forces us to acknowledge our helplessness. I was talking with a friend lately. I've t- said this to so many of you. I could use all of you as an illustration, but we're talking about trying to help a friend who is struggling with addiction. And, and the guy looked at me and he said, I just feel so helpless. And I said, do you want to know why you feel so helpless? Because you're helpless. Because you can't do a thing. Until that person's heart changes, you can't really do a thing, and you're, you can't change anybody's heart. And that stinks. And what that ought to do is make us pray, make us to realize that prayer is the only thing that's going to help. But instead, it, it, it's hard to pray, so we go and manipulate, and we try to, to you know, get people to be what we want them to be. And that doesn't work, and prayer does work, but it's hard. It's hard. That's, that's my first point. I think I've discouraged you enough. Prayer's hard work. And the reason why it's hard work is because it's a spiritual war. Because Satan is real and his demons are real. And he doesn't want you to pray. And so he discourages you. And he tries to get you to despair. And he tries to get you to despair that God cares about you. And absolutely gets you to despair that God doesn't hear you. It's a war. 
I mean, poor Daniel is, is there praying, and, you know, and the text says, I'm just saying what the text says. The text says he, he prayed for 21 days. He prayed for three weeks, and, and the angel Gabriel wanted to come and answer his prayer on day one, but he couldn't because Satan and his army kept my, uh, Gabriel from getting there. There's this, this battle going on behind the scenes, and, and ever since the, the resurrection of Jesus, the kingdom of God has been reclaiming this earth, reclaiming this world, but it's not complete. And again, I know this, this disagrees with pretty much what all of us believe. We tend to believe in, uh, you know, God is the only one in power. He does whatever he wants, and he fixes everything, or he doesn't fix everything. And if he doesn't fix something, it's because he's bad. And while I'm not trying to deny God's omnipotence, I would not be, I'd get fired immediately for that. I, I just want you to understand that there are certain he could do that, but he can't do that in our world. He's he created us to live the way we're living. He created this world to be a world that he is committed to, and he loves because he loves you, and because he loves your children and your grandchildren and your great grandchildren and those who are far off, and that's why he's waiting. And he's tolerating the, the evil that goes on in this world. He could, if he wanted to create a world where no, nothing bad could ever happen, he could. He probably has. I'm sure he's created a lot of things. But in our world, good and evil are real. The spirit of darkness is real. The, and, th- and that's one of the things I need you to see, that, that behind the scenes there's a battle. The New Testament describes it like this. The New Testament describes it like this. Uh, you were dead in your trespasses and in your sins, and in the way uh, that you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. That, that to, be, to be under the influence of the spirit of evil is just to follow the course of the world. To be under the influence of the spirit of evil is just to be normal. That's hard. That's difficult, because I know you, and if we're going to be honest, then then we have to say that uh, in in American culture today, um, those of us who live in South Tulsa are kind of the winners. You know, we're educated, we're, we live in nice homes, we have nice cars, we seldom spend a night without air conditioning. How can you say that you're a loser if you have air conditioning? Um, and what that means is, when I, when I say winners, I'm using the scale of the world. And that becomes the scale that we think about. The scale of you're as valuable as the amount of money you're able to create. The scale of you are worth what you look like in a mirror. The scale of uh, I'm here and you're here. Based on stupid things like what I drive. Based on perfectly reasonable things like who I cheer for in football. Um, you know, it's just me and you. And, and to be under the influence of the spirit of evil is just to be normal. It's just to be normal. 
and um, and that requires a, a a knowledge of self and an awareness of what the Lord calls us to do and an awareness of what love looks like. And sometimes you just have to go to war with what's normal. So, uh, uh, what night? Friday night. Friday night, uh, Bianca and I were up here putting flowers up. And by, we, we were just walking around Pottery Barn, as we're apt to do when we want to fight against the world and fight against worldliness. We'll go to Pottery Barn. Just kidding. That was a joke. And uh, so we saw these things. We thought, that looked good at the church. We bought them. And we're up here trying to put things together and figure out how it looks. And uh, I see a man who's asked me for money before walking into the parking lot. And so I do the godly thing, which is I retreat back in here in the sanctuary because uh, I don't want to talk to him. Uh, I just don't. And, but Bianca doesn't understand, and she's out in the lobby, and I'm saying, come here, 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 come here. And she sees him, and she opens the door and lets him in to my sanctuary. Right? Following the course of the air, doing the normal thing was to avoid him completely. Following the path of Jesus was to talk to him, to give him work to do, to wildly overpay him for the work he did. That was really just an act of repentance. And, and, then, and then the hardest of all, to let this sweaty, stinky man into my car and drive him to the bus stop, that was following the path of Jesus. None of those are normal for me. Just being normal is following the spirit of the air. Now, some of you are saying, Ricky, I like you. I like this message about God loving us. I agree there's a battle between good and evil, but this is a little much. I'll, get, I'll let you off the hook. I really will. I don't, that's fine. You don't have to believe that um, there are really uh, demons that are keeping the angels from uh, fighting each other if you don't want to. I think this, I think this text would actually give you permission gives you permission to say that's a vision, it's symbolic, it's symbolic for the, the struggle between good and evil, and you don't have to believe it, you know, it's literally, take it literally. I, I, I'm okay with that, I'll give you permission to do that. But I do want to ask you a question. How far are you going in your disregard of the spiritual realities? C.S. Lewis says it like this, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in, our, in their existence. The other is to believe and feel an excessive unhealthy interest in them. The devils themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. How far are you letting your unbelief in spiritual realities go? I'll ask it another way. Do you really believe that prayer can affect this material world? And I want you to really ask yourself that question. A year ago today, this Sunday, we brought... Sarah up on the stage, it was outside, we anointed her and prayed with her. She was about to go to the doctor for another cancer test, her cancer was advancing. Since that happened, she has not gotten one negative report. 
every time she's gone to the doctor, the doctor's been joyful to see the, her test results. So much so that he told her last time, you really need to go get a job. You're going to be around for a while. Now, those two things are historic facts. We prayed for her, and she has been healthy ever since. Those are historic. You cannot deny those facts. Do you believe they are connected or not? That's up to you. Those two things are facts. They're up, it's up to you whether you believe they're connected. Uh, last January, uh, Dixon was, was feeling terrible. He's, uh, his pancreatic cancer uh, we, we thought was spreading into his liver. He had liver spots. We go to his house. We anointed him with oil. We followed the directions of James 5, which I follow legalistically uh, when I'm in those situations. I saw, I saw Dixon at Costco last week, and I didn't recognize him. I was, I was fr- afraid to call his name out. I was like, that can't be Dixon. He's gained weight. He's healthy. He's joyful. He's going hiking. He's, I mean, the problem with Dixon is he's lived longer than he was supposed to, and now he's, uh, he's got to go back to work. And those are historic facts. Do you believe they're connected or not? How far are you letting your unbelief and spiritual reality take you? Uh, and the Lord, the final thing I want you to see is that the Lord encourages us in this struggle. It's a hard struggle. Specifically, it's a hard struggle when you, when you face despair, when you're not getting what you, what you expected to see. It's hard to not grow weary. And he encourages us by reminding us of his love. This is a interesting text. Now, we don't ever have to really do much research to, to figure out when the events in Daniel are happening, he almost always tells us in the first verse. And by almost always, I mean always. And so we know that this happened in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia. And what that means is this is right around the, this is probably the last chapter written. Uh, Daniel died uh, during Cyrus's reign. And what we know is, too, is that he's old. He's an old fellow by the time he's praying this stuff. He's probably in his 80s. Uh, I apologize if you're in your 80s, but it was much older back then in the world before Tylenol than it is now. So, uh, you know, he he had no toothpaste. He had nothing to help him get through there, no hearing aids, nothing. And so he's he's at the end of his life. That's when he gets the vision that Israel is not going to be fully restored like they had hoped. Can you imagine the despair that brought? Y'all aren't old enough yet, most of you. But, but one day you're going to look back and go, was my life wasted? Did I accomplish anything I set out to do? I mean, and if Daniel felt that way, if Daniel felt that way, how much more us? We get discouraged. The world's still broken. My family's still broken. I'm still broken. It gets discouraging. And that, that discouragement, that despair, it just makes us feel when we it makes us feel like why should we pray anyway? It's never being heard. And I want you to see the three ways the Lord encourages Daniel. Uh, the first thing we see is Oh man, this is so good. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. 
I, I want you to visualize this. A man so exhausted. He's fallen asleep on his face. And you just see this, this glorious being coming down and going, come on, come on, buddy. Come on, come on. And just he's only able to get him up to his hands and knees. We see the Lord uh, just descending, accommodating himself, coming down to our level, being right here where we can feel him. It's such a, a, a beautiful thing. And you're saying, well, the Lord's never done that for me. Yeah, he did. He came and he was born a baby. He descended to our level. He was born as a child. He lived a life that's a real life. He washed feet and got dirt and mud and, and excrement all over him for us. He was crucified for us. He, he, he came down and he touched us. He, he became a man for us. And then he says these beautiful words. He says, from the moment, from the moment you started praying, I heard you. Your prayer was heard. And I want to encourage you. It's often true, often true, uh, you know, that God, He hears our, our words and He sees our tears, but He's just got something else in mind. And it's important for us to remember, even then, that He, he heard us. My, my best friend from college was texting me this morning. And every time I think of him, I, I remember the story that he told at my rehearsal dinner. And it's a story about him praying for me and him praying, uh, you know, for my dating relationships because it's really the only thing you care about in college and uh, praying for this girl and praying for her and praying for her and praying that she'd notice him and praying that or she'd notice me. And, um, and this, this big sorority event was coming up when she was supposed to have a date. I knew about that. And I was like, I just want to know if she's on a radar screen. She has to ask a boy this thing. I just... Man, and so she, just being kind to me, prayed that, uh, you know, she would ask me to this event. And uh, she asked him. And I went home crying to my mom. And came back to school. And it wasn't three weeks later that I met Bianca. Sometimes, I mean, usually when the Lord just says no, it's not funny. But he hears you. He hears you. He touches us and he hears us. And then he reminds us these beautiful words, Daniel, man greatly loved. It says it twice. Daniel, you are greatly loved. And that's the, that's the thing Satan doesn't want you to believe. He doesn't want you to believe that about yourself. He knows if he can get you to believe that God doesn't even know you, doesn't care for you, is too busy to hear you, has has completely disregarded you, then you'll quit engaging in this war. You'll quit praying. You'll quit worshiping. You'll quit believing. If you just can ever allow yourself to believe that God doesn't love you. That's, that's what Satan didn't want Jesus to believe when he was tempting him. He said, if you're really the Son of God, if you're really the Son of God, if... if um, on the cross of Jesus, he was being tempted with those same words. If God wanted him, he would save him. And what a great lesson that you can't judge God's opinion of you by how you look. Certainly didn't look like God thought much of Jesus. Certainly didn't look like God thought much of Daniel. But we're being told that they were greatly loved. Have y'all set this stuff to heart yet? 
Do you believe that you're greatly loved? Do you? Do you believe? Uh, have you memorized the, the great love passages of the New Testament? Does it, does it occur to you to, to remind yourself daily, if you have to, that because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, God made us alive together in Christ, and he raised us with Christ and seated us in heavenly places, for it's by grace that you've been saved. Do you remind yourself of that? Do you remind yourself that that God is love and and we love him because he first loved us and and gave his son for us as a sacrifice for our sins? Do you remind yourself of that? Do you sing to yourself, oh, how, oh, (laughs) what is it? Uh, We should always sing it at Christ's community and I thought I would never forget it so I didn't write it down. Uh, the, the, The behold the love that God has lavished upon us. He's lavished upon us. Do you remind yourself of that? Do you, do you quote, when you're going through hard times, do you quote Romans 8 to yourself that, that if Christ is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but freely gave him up for us all, how will he not with him give us all things? No, no therefore nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ, not life or death or persecution or the sword. Uh, I'm convinced. I am convinced that neither height nor depth nor principalities demons or powers can separate us from the love of God in Christ I want you to know that today and if you forget I'll remind you next week but that's that's what's going to keep you engaged that's what's going to keep you in prayer that's what's going to keep you walking in in life and hope. That's what's going to restore you to believing that he is real and that he loves you. Will you receive that today? Please pray with me. Father, it's hard to believe you love us some days. Uh, We want to say with with the cynics, sure, you you gave your son to die for me, but what have you done for me lately? Father, would you remind us? Would you, would you just gracefully sneak up on us at some point today and remind us how much you love us in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.